0: everyone welcome to the charbuck podcast this is your host kushal mehra uh sorry about the little bit of a confusion on the timing uh harris's stream was uh, scheduled for 4 30 he- yeah no, when
1: there are different time zones we're dealing with of course yeah it yeah. Always ends up happening unfortunately sorry about that yeah. I,
0: yeah yeah so so that was a little bit of a confusion but uh, uh we are here and we, we are now live and uh, today's topic is going to be titled Islamism in the West and uh, just to give you guys a brief background about why I decided uh, along with Harris to host this discussion on both my channel and his channel so Harris and I we tend to experiment mm-hmm. with this thing right we when, whenever we have a podcast even when I think of a podcast Harris and I we post it on both our channels because Harris has a slightly left of center leaning viewership I have a slightly right of center leaning viewership and I believe uh, and and uh it's, it's, it's very interesting that he, Harris Harris. Harris is on the same view, you know, uh, uh, length point of view in that sense that uh, we should have an exchange of ideas where both the sides, you know, both audiences benefit from discussions. And maybe, you know, sometimes I might be wrong. Sometimes Harris might be wrong. And and, and...
1: I'm never wrong. (laughs) 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 I'm joking, of course.
0: So that this way, we kind of improve ourselves, we improve each other, and, and our audiences also benefit. So as you guys know, today's discussion is going to be called Islamism in the West. So why did I think of doing this discussion? Just to give you a brief background. As you guys know, since October 7th, there is a new uh, war that has engulfed the world. That is the Israel-Hamas conflict. And post that conflict, Israel uh, obviously has entered Gaza. Now there is a ground invasion happening in Gaza too. And there have been a spate of protests around the Western world. And today's focus is going to be about a certain element. Uh, I want to make this crystal clear. I am not stating that each and every protest or every single aspect of this protest has Islamist tendencies. But while we are looking at these protests, we do see Islamist tendencies. We see very dangerous signs. Cutting across the Western world, whether it's Canada, America, the United Kingdom, Australia, uh, I, I, and Harris, correct me um, if I'm wrong. In Australia, there was a video right outside the Sydney Opera where Islamists were chanting Gas the Jews, or am I wrong?
1: No, no, 100% right, yeah. A few people were arrested too, but most likely it was just a slap on the wrist.
0: Okay, so. That that's exactly what the case is. And when all of this was happening, I thought, I think it's only appropriate that Harris and I get together and we start talking about this. And now that I've said enough, so Haris, welcome. Thank you for coming.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And first of all, I want to start with saying that what you, I could see some of the comments on my channel. I don't know whether you can highlight them or not regarding you. And I want to say that this is how polarized our world is and how judgmental we have become. That we love to live in our echo chambers. You have been accused of being a far right wing Hindu bigot or something, anti Islamist or something. But it's funny that you said to me when we decided to have this podcast or this conversation, you told me, Harris, please make sure I don't want to target Muslims. I want to discuss the the ideology of Islamism. Despite the fact that a lot of good, well meaning people like yourself who are careful of words and the conversations that we have and what kind of an impact it's going to have on other people, despite all of that, people are still so judgmental that they cannot think outside of the box. Now, obviously, I, the, the other thing I want to talk about is obviously... Uh, the, the West is basically, and I think most of our conversation is going to focus around the fact that this political correctness that we've had um, has become the West's Achilles heel. Um, so many things that we want to say, we don't say because we're worried we might offend some people, even though we might need to have those honest conversations to solve or, or to combat some ideologies that are literally medieval ideologies um i i i I want i want to start with this actually before i go into that i want want to talk about i want to differentiate two things there are palestinians who obviously happen to be muslims and we cannot ignore the fact that this conflict is beyond just political or about this holy land as we speak it's holy for both of them but or, or just land in general this is at its heart a religious conflict that has been going on for centuries. And unfortunately, at the base of it, it's religion. So it's, in, it's interesting, and you're coming from Indian background, but obviously both of us are Indians. I, am, I happen to be on the other side. We were separated in 1947. Isn't that ironic that Muslims had no problem in accepting the British decision to separate India on the basis of religion but at the same time around the same time in another part of the world a similar decision was made but this time not in favor of muslims but in favor of jews they said we we don't accept that now let me lay it out as simply as i can jews of the 30s and the 20s and obviously we had a history of pogroms and you can you can go as far back as uh, the roman times we had J- jews have been uh, you know they've been they, they they've been living under other people's rules they haven't had their own government they have no they had no self autonomy and then obviously they had been living like refugees in scattered all around the world and then when an opportunity came after the after the end of the first world war palestine or israel or whatever you want to call it that part of the land that fell in the hands of british and the british said uh, oh, sorry and the jews said to british uh, to the british that we no longer want to live under an islamic rule as we have been living for the past 1000 years and briefly by, uh, under christians and then before that that was muslims too predominantly under under, under uh, the islamic caliphate we no longer want to live under them we want to have our own nation this is exactly, in other in, in other words, this is called the Doko two two nation theory, on the basis of which India was separate. India was carved into two pieces. Um, and can you blame the Jews that we don't want to live under um, uh, under a Muslim rule? Can you blame them? Just like Muslims didn't want to live under um, uh, under Hindu rule, they didn't want to live under them, even though. The Hindu leaders of the time had assured them that this is not going to be a Hindu state. It's going to be a secular state. The founding fathers of India made sure or, or gave guarantees that it's going to be a secular state. And to be fair, India has lived up to those promises. To date, India is still a, a secular democracy. So, um, sorry, I want to wrap that up with the point that... Sorry. Um that um, there are two types of Muslims in this. Obviously, they're Palestinians. Their grievances are real. They're genuine. I think the Palestinian people deserve to, um, uh, to have an independent state where they can create their own style of government, even though I know that that kind of a government is not in line with the way of government that I would want to see. It wouldn't be a secular liberal democracy. It won't be. Um, but they have a right. To independence. So their grievances are genuine. But then there's another group of Muslims who are scattered all around the world, not just in the Muslim world, but also living in the West. And obviously, we're going to be focusing on that. And we're going to be talking a lot about them. They basically see that as a religious issue. I have made this argument over and over again. They're not interested in Muslim lives, because at the same time, far more numerous Muslims have been killed in other parts of the world, and Muslims have not shown any interest in that. You haven't seen million march protests, million people protests in London or, or or in Canada or in America or in Australia. You haven't seen them because at the base of it, at the heart of it, it is a religious issue. And when Jews say that this is anti-Semitism, or if you, more appropriately, if you want to uh, call them anti-Jewish, that's what it is at the heart of it. It is a religious conflict. Muslims see that as this land belonging to them. They are It's an Islamic eschatology that in the end times, there would be a Jew hiding behind uh, trees or rocks or stones. And those stones and trees would tell, hey, Muslim, there's a Jew hiding behind me. So go and c- come and kill it. This is a very famous hadith, and I hope everyone knows about this now. This is Sahih Bukhari. It's a Sahih hadith. There's no Muslim, no genuine Muslim can deny that hadith, and they genuinely believe in that. And this is the reason, Kushal, this is absolutely the reason why every time Hamas carries out a, an, an idiotic attack against Israeli civilians, knowing full well that they're going to come back hard at them, and as a result, a lot of Palestinian civilians are going to die. And by the way, all the, the rest of the Muslims say that, "Oh, you stay there, fight for the holy land. Uh, let's live up to our uh, Islamic fantasy of end times when we'll be killing Jews." They are happy. Muslims all around the world, lipstick Muslims, moderate Muslims, radical Muslims, all of them, they celebrate that. Um, and then when when Israel responds, then they realize, as we're seeing right now, that. Hamas is literally teetering and begging for a ceasefire. And I believe there's been a truce called. I think it's just going to be a little pause. It's not going to be a ceasefire because Benjamin Netanyahu, who, by the way, I'm not I'm not his fan at all, he said that the war will continue. And Hamas is basically just trying to buy some time so they can release some hostages in drips and drabs. And then they're going to say, well, okay, they, that's going to give them enough time to break Israel's momentum And then also it's going to give Hamas some time to regroup and re-attack on them. So the behavior of Palestinians can be understood and can be forgiven. I'm talking about Palestinian civilians, obviously not Hamas. Their grievances are real in the West Bank. I've always been against Israeli settlements in the West Bank. I think that's disingenuous, that's disgusting, and that should be condemned. And that lays the ground for... Hamas to recruit more people, but the Muslim diaspora living all around the world—they're disingenuous. They—they are uninterested in, uh, in in Palestinian lives. They're more interested in the in living up to their religious fantasy. And their behavior is disgusting. And that's the one—that's what we should focus on. And that's what we probably would be focusing on.
0: I have a follow up to this, but before I ask the follow up, I just want to back you up. So, India Today has just reported this today. It's a mainstream Indian channel and news portal. So, I mean, if people are asking, Israel approves deal for release of fifty hostages. Hamas welcomes quote humanitarian truce. An Israeli government official told reporters on Tuesday that the agreement could help secure the release of 50 Israelis, mostly women and children, in groups of twelve to thirteen per day. So this is what Harris was talking about. But I wanna It's okay, we can have another uh, follow-up on this. Uh, You spoke about this being a religious conflict. Now, a, a, a lot of people, including some YouTubers in Pakistan, podcasters in Pakistan, are very adamant that this is a colonialism issue. You have to look at it from the lens of colonialism. And it is uh, uh, nothing else. And religion has nothing to do with it. They're very categorical when they say religion has nothing to do with it. Now, both you and I are disbelievers, albeit of slightly different varieties. But I absolutely am on board with you that this is a religious Mm -hmm. issue and religion is at the core of it, not just from the Islamic end, but even from the
1: Jewish. Yeah, absolutely yeah we have fanatic jews uh who who believe that this is a, a promised land and obviously you and i us being atheists and we can't if we don't believe in a god and then certainly we can't believe that uh, that an unknown entity unproven entity can uh, can sign you a piece of land unconditionally um, or it gives you a license to just go and wipe off everyone else just so you can live there so obviously that 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 no so uh, yeah, those people are just shallow thinkers. They have no idea. And this is obviously this th- this is the epidemic of the far left that we've seen, not only just in these, some liberal circles of Pakistan. By the way, they, they shouldn't even be called liberals. But anyway, they're just phonies, They're idiots. But we see the far left of the West. This is a hip thing. This is a thing in fashion. Um, and the far left in the West, um, these blue-haired, snowflake, tree-hugging, suffering from this uh, pathological altruism. These idiots don't actually understand anything. They look at everything from the oppressed versus oppressor uh, uh, spectrum. That's it. They can't see beyond that. Um, They would join these people who would chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is a genocidal slogan. This, This literally means wiping off Israel. Either you go... Um, uh, either you leave this piece of land or you come and live under um uh, under an islamic rule or palestinian rule um, and in the process if you get killed you get killed this is a genocidal slogan and nobody no sane person can allow that the only pragmatic solution would be a two-state solution now you can you can blame both sides for it i'm not gonna get into it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be a party to either side but to say that this is not a religious issue, this is a colonial issue. These people are absolute idiots and they are nothing about history. Because, because forty to fifty, sorry, fifty to sixty percent of Israeli Jews, the, the, some estimates are just up to four and a half million, but it could be four million, as many at, at mm-hmm. least four million Jews are Mizrahi Jews who are Arab Jews. Crucial. These guys are native to the land. They were expelled in the forties by by Morocco, by Egypt. By Libya, by Syria, Lebanon, um, Yemen, these are Arab Jews. Where were what were you? What were they meant to do with this? Um, so, of course, they. Some people say that okay, well, some radical Israelis they did, they carried out so, or or they forced these people to to leave those countries and come here. Whatever the truth may be, I mean, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Whatever the case may be, what do you want to do to, to them? This is a popular narrative that I believe for a very long time as well because I was ignorant of the fact. These people were told um, that these are white Europeans. Uh, Hitler went after them, and after them, who, 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 whatever the, whatever was uh, the leftover Jews came to Israel, and they colonized a the local area, which is obviously nothing could be further from the truth. They make up, the European Jews make up, a minority of Israeli Jewish population, so it, it is nothing but a, um, a, a a religious issue from both sides. As you rightly said, um, but uh, but now it is done. There is a concept called historical conservatism. We we have to conserve history. We cannot right the wrongs of the history. This is why I have I have often said that the it, it, just to speak in the Indian context as well. I I, I am at least consistent that knocking down mosques that were built on Hindu temples is not the right way to go about it. Because if we start following that logic, then all the Europeans from Australia, Canada, America, and South America, all of them would have to go back to Europe. That The world doesn't work that way. What, what's done is done. We should always look towards the future. We should try, we, we should try our best to, to find means to coexist.
0: All right, so let's now focus on anti-Semitism in the uh, anti-Islamism uh, in the West. Not anti-Semitism; it has this time showcased in the form of anti-Semitism, but it's at its core, it's a problem of Islamism. Now, there are different layers to Islamism in the West. One is in the form of average people uh, showcasing Islamist tendencies, um, where you have people carrying Islamist flags during protests. Uh, You have people making Islamist slogans uh, during these protests across the world. One of the prime examples of that was outside the Sydney Opera House. Somebody started shouting, gas the Jews. Now, uh, before people uh, ask me what is an Islamist, well, political Islam is Islamism. If people did not know, wanting Islam as a part of a political system and imposing Islam as an ideology on everyone and when your politics is governed through an islamic lens that's islamism and islamism tends to showcase itself because it's very important to explain to people what what we're talking about and islamism tends to showcase itself uh, in multiple ways it's very different from average Muslims practicing their religion at a personal level by going to a mosque and congregating in a mosque. Islamism is when you try to impose those tendencies on the rest of the political culture. And that's what we're talking about, Islamism in the West. And now I want to start by a very unique case. Uh, did you follow the case of Rashida Talib? in yeah China i heard America's a little bit about America. it
1: yeah i yeah but i'd like you to explain it yeah go for it
0: so rashida Taleb basically is a michigan democrat she was recently rebuked and censured by the way you know she has the unique state where Relief, she has yeah. been censured by the uh, the congress, u.s yeah. congress yeah and The U.S. So so just to give everyone a context, I think in a 250-year almost history of the United States of America, only 24 times this censure has been used. And this woman is one of them now. So like uh, censures... But it's a badge of honor.
1: But but Muslims would see it as a badge of honor.
0: So it's like once in 10 years this happens and this woman has managed to be a part of that. Now what happened was that... uh, She had posted a video uh, on Twitter that included a clip of protesters which was using the chants uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And uh, she was criticized for it, but she did not apologize for it. And uh, she said that uh, it doesn't matter. I am going to go ahead and say it anyway. And she doubled down on it. And then Mm -hmm. uh, she was censured in the House now does this qualify as islamism rashid athlab
1: yeah absolutely because as i said at the base of it so so, so you 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 correctly explain what islamism is one level above that is jihadism obviously jihadism yeah, is, that is a strong, tri- that yeah that, that literally armed struggle against uh, darul harb you know we we're, we're, we're just going to turn that into an islamic state um, by means of violence uh, the next best thing is islamism that was in the charter of muslim brotherhood that we're going to make enough babies in these western countries that you know in, in 10 20 30 40 years we're going to have enough population in the west and i think we are at crossroads here where the west have to make some tough decisions they have to do it yeah. um and this conflict Again, like I'm generally an optimistic person and I I hope that maybe some of the Western leaders would have seen this. Whoa, this is just a trailer. What is to follow? What we've seen, they have shown no regard. They have shown no loyalty to their host countries, countries that have adopted them, countries that have given them good life. They have shown absolutely no regard for them, no respect to them. They have shown that... I don't know if you followed uh, last Saturday, uh, actually a couple of Saturdays um, ago, where um, it was a remembrance day for Britain, and obviously Second World, the Second World War is very important to um, to the British public, and they, uh, they they didn't want anyone to get near their war memorial, cenotaph, and all all of these things, and they showed no interest in that. They they that they have been desecrating these monuments, they've been waving Palestinian flags, and they've been chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Now again, something that everyone needs to understand, especially our Indian audience, that the Indians and the Middle Easterns, we don't carry the baggage of Holocaust like the West does. Uh, We actually, uh, you you could probably explain that better than I can, uh, uh, how 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 Indians see Winston Churchill? He caused a uh, a man made famine to uh, uh, to the people of Bengal. How many people died in that? Uh, did, are there any million, estimates? Yeah, a few million, million people. And he said that oh well, it's the fault it's the fault of the Bengalis who breed like rabbits, right? So he he used that term for so he 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 didn't see us as humans. He saw us as subhumans. So we have our own grievances with the West. I get it. Um, uh, but the West knows what they did, what 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 happened under their watch to the Jewish people. And Jews have been very successful in letting the West know that this is what happened. The Holocaust happened on their watch. Six million Jews lost their lives. This is the, the greatest catastrophe. One of the greatest catastrophes of the 20th century, because we have Armenian genocide. Three million, mm-hmm. th- two million Bengalis died. Nobody even knows about this directly, not because of Hitler's policy, but because of Churchill's policies. Mm-hmm. It happened because he wanted to feed his soldiers in the West. How many Indian soldiers died serving for the crown in the Second World War? I don't know. Quite a lot. Nobody don't get a mention. So we have our own grievances with the West and, and that's the reason why. And, and again, th- that's just the Indian aspect, but also there's a the, there's a Middle Eastern aspect of that too. They did not have a hand in the Holocaust, barring that, uh, the the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, whatever his name was, he obviously went to um, to Hitler and he shook his hands and probably stayed there for a bit. And he he was complicit to some extent in the in, in the Holocaust, or at least in part. Um, but Muslims had their own battles to fight with. All these countries Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, Saudi Arabia all these countries owe their existence to the West because the West defeated. The Ottomans, and as a result, these countries came into existence. Um, so, but at the end, there was this Palestinian conflict lingering there, and as a result, they were not thankful, and instead, they became antagonistic to the West. So, um, and this is the reason why the Muslim world actually pays no attention, and this is the reason why they, when like any society or any civilization, they would just put their own own interests first, and they look at. This from the perspective of Israelis, Jewish, Jews versus Palestine, Muslims. So they are a grieving grieving party. So therefore, they come up with these um, insensitive ideas. um, And they come up with these insensitive slogans. uh, Like, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And they don't see that as genocidal. They don't. You can try to explain them as much as you can. Even some of the ex-Muslims, they don't understand that. They actually... Um, they actually downplay the slogan. I, I, I wanted to because um, I know we want to go into this Islamism, but but I want to play this video to you. It's important sure. um, that this threat of Islamism we're seeing these little snippets of it as I said, it's just a trailer and it's going to get a lot worse. We have very powerful, charismatic, influential influencers, social media activists who are, who are spreading the message and And they're not only just resonating with the the Muslim diaspora, second or third generation Muslim diaspora, but also with these bleeding heart leftists. Um, So have a listen to this statement by a uh, I think he's an Emirati minister. Have a listen to what he had to say. And he said it in 2015 or 16, I believe. But it, every Was word it is saying 2015.
0: To be... Or 12, 2012. I don't remember. I'm also confused okay. about the gear.
1: I think it says 2017, but let's just. Uh, I think okay. it's, uh, it's saved sure. as terrorism, UA foreign minister in 2017. And let me say this in. Oops, sorry. sorry you... I'll put it back. I'm again. saying. Yeah. You're to reverse it? Uh, and, and let me say this in English, so you can understand what I'm saying. I have translation. No, I know <laughs> okay. you have translation, but I'm j- I just want to make sure you get it right. There will come a day that we will see far more radical extremists and terrorists coming out of Europe because of lack of decision-making trying to be politically correct or assuming that they know the Middle East and they know Islam and they know the others far better than we do. Mm. And I'm I'm sorry, but that's pure ignorance. And not only it's pure ignorance, but it is also pure... Arrogance. Arrogance, exactly. And that's arrogance. exactly and this is what's been happening kushal for a very long time that we've been trying to warn the west about and no attention has been paid in fact they've actually uh, regressed in their thinking instead of doing something about it they've actually gone this way of appeasement uh, chamberlain's appe- appeasement this is what's happening in um, in australian mosques listen to this sure i'll i'll put it up they don't love us and they wish they can kill all of us.
2: If the Australian government likes it or not, if the Asia likes it or not, if they want to deport me from Australia or not, the jihad is the solution for the ummah. Muslims, so interested, and so thrilled, and looking forward, to join the Mujahideen. Muslims, they starving for jihad they their hearts are aching for jihad
1: they keep saying i mean what has australia done to these people they keep saying that this is these are political issues these are political grievances and why do they invoke islam why do they invoke them um because at the end of it i know islam i've written a book on that go and try it go go google curse of god why i left islam um i understand that but anyone who actually ignores that they're basically just sleepwalking into the sleepwalking their way into this death sentence this is what we're seeing it is becoming a norm and it's going to happen even more look at this what happened in germany So it's not just Palestine. It's just not a Palestinian issue. But of course, Palestinian issue, if it's just a political issue, then why, why, are, why is every Muslim united? Again, as I said, moderate or not, radical or not, they're all united. They don't see that from a lens of, okay, what's suitable, Whether let's see who's the right party, let's try to be fair. They're not, they're not interested in that. They see that as, as, as a part of their religious fantasy of killing Jews in end times. That's it. It's very simple. Every every Muslim knows it. Pakistani Muslim is slightly bit 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 of an exception, but even Pakistani Muslims who don't share any border with Israel, Indonesian Muslim, Malaysian Muslim, they're all they're, they're all uh, vouching for their fellow Muslims who have no cultural link with with, with Palestinian Muslims. Three hundred thousand Syrians died. Nobody made a peep. Two hundred fifty thousand Yemenis died. Nobody made a peep. All of a sudden, tenth again. This is atrocious, it's horrible, and I think sometimes Israel goes overboard. And I condemn. I don't condemn the military action because it has to happen. But I think the only thing we can accuse Israel of is probably being, uh, probably not caring enough for the collateral damage. That's probably the most we can accuse Israel of. But Israel has a right to exist, and as a result, Israel has a right to defend itself. Um. But the biggest problem, crucial, is is again the, the the biggest hurdle that we have are the bleeding heart leftists of the West. Look look at these people. Who are these people? They're they're not your average Muslims. Yes, the the, the majority of these protesters are Muslim. This is a, another one from uh, Melbourne, I believe, from uh, from uh, from last week. Sorry, I need to to move this. Give me a sec. Um, Look look at this. You see a lot of these Westerners, they're actually white Australians. They Mm -hmm. only see it from the perspective of oppressed oppressor, colonial, we're university students, yay, we're the champions of freedom. These idiots don't realize what they're actually advocating for. Yes, standing up for Palestinian civilians I can empathize with that, but none of these people condemn Hamas. None of these people do that. And I wonder, where does their humanity disappear when you talk about 1,200 Israeli innocent civilian, elderly people, children, women, raped and murdered, beheaded? Where does their humanity go there? I just watched a Piers Morgan interview with, uh, with Andrew Tate. Same thing, same rhetoric, over and over again. I, I I get upset. I I I've stopped watching those Palestinian videos because yeah, they're absolutely heartbreaking. You don't want to see the civilians and children dying because of Israeli bombs. You don't want to see that. But who is to be blamed for that? This attitude is to be blamed for that. <laughs> these are the people. Look at these guys. So um, I think when we talk about the West, the West has to wake up, like the like the UAE minister said. This is ignorance. It's not just ignorance, as you said. It's, it's arrogance and it's Western hubris as well. And I think most of that comes from when the the West got del- delusioned after the Second World War's victory. They thought that, okay, because our Western secular democratic liberal values are so good that wherever we go, however we export them, um, we're going to turn them into liberal democracies like us. That happened with Nazi Germany, yes. G- Germany became a beacon of a western liberal democracy and so did imperial japan on the other side of the world japan if you want to say that okay well they are uh, there are a civilization on their own but they are a liberal democracy western style democracy yes well, i don't know about how it. liberal they are i don't know about yeah how yeah look, look yeah no, i'm talk- i'm talking about the constitution i'm talking about the form of government i get it like uh, yeah, they are a cultural culture on their own they're not western per se um, do, do they, they allow again, like, Muslims uh, in their immigration policy? But they're, they're, they're starting to. They're starting to because their their uh, birth rates are falling. And again, uh, there's another point I want to talk about. I'm sure you've read that book, Clash of Civilization. When did that come out? In '93 or '94? I think
0: 92, yeah. '93.
1: So, so if you read that, I read that again. If you read that, and even in Yaksharak at that time, they, all, all the Western leaders at that time were actually worried about changing demographics they were worried about importing old people from other cultures but they did nothing to um to you know to to boost the fertility numbers or so i know australia tried but again we know it's it, it, you can't really blame any politician or in the system for it it's just wherever uh, there's prosperity people tend to make less babies so we understand that but they could have done a f- lot more i don't want to quote Tom, tommy robinson i think he just recently made a video and said, "Well." our birth rates are falling, keep importing people from India because we don't have this problem of radical Islam coming from Indians. Even Indian Muslims are far less um, uh, Islamist in their approach than uh, some of these other Muslims that come from other parts of the world.
0: Yeah, it's in England, it's a unique Pakistani problem. I don't know what the hell it is. But, but uh, in France,
1: is. you've got Algerian Muslims you got moroccan muslims uh, moroccan muslims in in spain like said, it's a problem everywhere they, 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 it, it's not just one people say oh it's only a pakistani problem it's only a you know a Bangl- bangladeshi problem no they, they, they behave pretty much the same everywhere in germany there's a lot of turkish problem issue
0: yeah it is now i i wanted to share uh, this news uh, this was uh, published in the toronto star on the 6th of november uh, 2023, and it, I mean, I don't understand what is wrong with people. So, this is the Toronto Star. It is, in, uh oh, so this is CP24. But yeah, the news was first published in the Toronto Star, and basically, it was Jewish group speaks out after cafes targeted in pro-Palestinian rallies. So, so just to give you guys a brief background, Aroma Cafes are Jewish owned. I mean, they're an Israeli company, but the Canadian North American subsidiary is independent. It is independently owned. Yes, it's like a franchise model. So, some might be owned by Jews, uh, as uh, Mm -hmm. uh, as though that should be a problem. Like you can't Jews can't own businesses now, apparently. And what happened was when these rallies were going out, um, you will see, uh, you know, people. As it is reported in the article here, it says video emerged over the weekend showing a group of pro-Palestinian protesters swarming in Aroma Cafe near the CN Tower downtown and chanting, quote, Boycott Aroma. The Israeli-founded coffee chain has branches all over Canada and the US. In one video, people can be seen chanting, shaking their fists and waving Palestinian flags at the windows of the coffee shop. Another video appeared to show protesters praying spray painting graffiti on the windows of another aroma location as hundreds of protesters marched outside a similar scene unfolded with a pro palestinian protest at another jewish owned business on university avenue two weeks ago um what do you i mean what has a cafe got to do with the israel palestine protest
1: it's just the same thing. You know, you know, another funny thing happened in Pakistan. Uh, the, the, this rumor was circulated that McDonald's is owned by Israel in Pakistan. Oh, you ma. might have seen some of those videos. Uh, oh, Ronald, Ronald McDonald was apparently a Jew. It, it doesn't get... Mac, McDonald doesn't get any oh, more yeah Ronald Jewish McDonald
0: got a Punjabi chitrol. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so, so, so somebody shared this photo. Of McDonald's, where because you know, like these th- th- these kind of uh, what do you call it? Where, when these people go and ransack and they burn the building down to the ground, uh, where, what is it called? Vandalism or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, it happens a lot in Pakistan, and then they wonder why there's no foreign direct investment coming in because you know, they see sometimes they see a barcode on Coca Cola that looks like Muhammad in Arabic, and then they attack. A van carrying Coca Cola um, soft drinks. So that's the kind of people we're dealing with. Um, so, the, so this McDonald's owner actually wrote "Laila la, la, la Muhammad Rasulullah at the front, big bold letters, just to say that McDonald's is Muslim don't come and attack my building. And of course, the, uh, McDonald's is a franchise and uh, a local Muslim would own it. And obviously he'd be making money out of it. He'll be paying a small percentage to uh, the McDonald's um, corporation. Uh, so I don't know, maybe there must have been a rumor that Aroma, this cafe, is probably uh, owned by a Jew. This, this, this no, it Jewish...
0: is Israeli-owned. The parent company is oh, yeah. Israeli-owned.
1: Yeah, so so this is it. So this is it. Now now you know this is the Jewish-owned and uh, we, you, you got to go for it. It's, a, it's legitimate, target. So, and then why these people... do
0: they then why do they use Facebook? Whoa, that is also Jewish-owned.
1: Somebody made a joke. Somebody said that uh, we're only. They said that we're going to keep using them. It, these are beliefs of convenience, of course. I mean, obviously, this is ridiculous. We're going to keep using Israeli products, so we improve our lives, and that would be the ultimate uh injury that would we would cause to Israel by taking benefit from their products because they view us as enemies <laughs> you can you can you can create anything you can create any kind of just, justification to satisfy your hatred or to satisfy at the same time maintaining your convenience um so yeah i mean it's just this is come on kushal this is this is nothing New or unique. No. The, uh, there, 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 there was there was there was this video at the start of this conflict that went viral. I think Imam Tahiti shared that, where this woman was saying, "Let's boycott." She named all, all of these Western corporations, and one of them was obviously Nike as well. And then they zoomed in and. On um, to her feet, and uh, her, her sneakers were Nike sneakers. She was wearing <laughs> Nike sneakers <laughs> herself. So, um, th- th- I mean, these guys no, are. No, a, a, a sample
0: important. of this was shared in my country, India. So this was an Al Jazeera report. I'm not going to play the video because they'll strike me for copyright. But basically, this is a Muslim shop owner in India who is no longer selling Israeli and US products to show support to Palestinians in Gaza. So this, 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 this exactly. His name is Mohammed Nadim. Um, uh, he says his income yeah, will decrease so. a bit, but we can't really fight them, but we can boycott their economies. So he's going to do that. Now, he is one of the many shop owners in India taking part of the boycott. Where products like Pepsi and Coca-Cola are no longer stocked in his shop. I'm reading the the literal words of the of the uh, you know al Jazeera video. The boycott has started a movement in this Muslim neighborhood. A number of families here say they are also boycotting these products. Um, now, my question over here is that what if this was flipped around, and what if somebody would say, I'm going to boycott Muslim businesses in in Canada, in America, in Australia, in New Zealand. Uh, I'm I'm not for it. Before somebody thinks, I'm saying, what if it is done? Uh, mm. th- these are the first people who are going to cry Islamophobia.
1: Absolutely, Muslims are hell? walking talking. Muslims are walking talking. Paradoxical. Muslims are the most most paradoxical creatures that you can find. And I have criticized a lot of. Um, Hindus in India who have said that let's boycott um, some Muslims, uh, let let's not buy uh, vegetables from this street vendor in um, you know who's who happens to be a Muslim, etc. And I, I have criticized that. And again, like you said, any decent person would. It's like why are you going after the livelihood of a of, uh, of a person who has not partaken in uh, any of this
0: business boycotts um, are uh, are not illegal in my view yeah, boycotts, yeah, look you can but, but campaigning against, it's a slippery but, slope
1: but it's also campaigning against that because we know that there, there's precedence for it this is exactly the kind of line of reasoning that was used by by nazi germany as well with the with jewish businesses so i'm saying as you said it's a slippery slope let's not go that far but again as i said Everything is allowed to Muslims. Everything is allowed. And, and, and the West or the Western leaders are so scared of that. I don't know if you follow the Swala Braverman story, what happened with her and how oh, she. Oh, yeah, did... yeah.
0: Can you, can you narrate what happened there?
1: So so basically, Swala Braverman has had a very firm stance against migration, and she's made some statements. Um, and again, like any decent person would, any person who loves his or her country would be concerned, to say the least, at least concerned about changing demographics. And as a result, uh, the impact is going to have on your socioeconomic fabric. Um, so she's been talking about this. And again, she did nothing wrong by saying that there's a two-tiered police system um, in, in in Britain. Uh, one set of standards for, for for right-wing. She used the word right-wing. She didn't want to say conservatives or patriots as they would like to call themselves. She said there's one set of standards for them, and we saw that a couple of Saturdays ago. And then there's quite another set of standards for these pro-Palestinian protesters who are openly chanting, who are desecrating British mon- war memorials, um, who are chanting these um, uh, genocidal slogans. There's quite another set of standards for them. And just because she said that rishi sunak who turned out to be as gutless and spineless as i uh, as i could not have imagined but he turned out like that and he got under pressure and he again it's appeasement policy he appeased the other political party he appeased the, 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 all, all these bleeding heart leftists and he sacked her um so it, it, it it's absolutely true there's a two tier police system Look at this we have not seen any video like this where look at this guy I'm gonna I'm gonna mute it. This guy, elderly British patriot who must have said something so horrible that the police decides to manhandle him. Um, and then you have these people who are being manhandled, beat br- brutally being beaten up by the british police and this british police that i've seen i've seen them they are they they're such snowflakes they actually don't do anything but the heavy handedness that they have shown to these british patriots by and large mostly again i'm 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 not being a party here but by and large on most account they were peaceful they were they were they were not allowed an entry to the cenotaph to pay respect to uh, uh, to the British Hall and heroes and they, they barged in and they, they met some resistance from the Met police, but then they went in and they had like two or three minutes silence, whatever is customary. I don't, I don't exactly know. Um, and they, every, uh, the event other than that, because the Met police uh, decided to block them. No, there was no threat from, from non-Palestinian pro- protesters. There was no threat of desecration of the cenotaph, but, the uh, but, but but the but the British police but the Met police said that oh no, hang on, we're not going to allow anyone to go anywhere near it, and obviously they wanted to make a statement and they went there. So it, it clearly exposed this two tier system. And Suella Breverman, Suella Brave Woman, she showed that she was she was right, there was a two tier police system, and that is that is very very problematic. If the West doesn't recognize this. Uh, I, I worry that you're going to feed into you, you're going to create more conservative people. We, we've seen that in Italy. Yes, I know that the that that the system is so strong that even the conservative people who come at the back of very strong anti-migration policies when they come to power, like the uh, like the Italian prime minister, she she made tall claims uh, against illegal migration, but when she came to power, she didn't do anything. But what is that? Where does that leave all these angry people? They're gonna look for a more conservative or a or a more right wing politician next time round, and that's exactly what's going to keep happening. And these stupid blue haired these bleeding heart idiots, I I just can't. We live in a world where this queers for Palestine. This this is literally the chickens for KFC. We literally live in the world of these people who who cannot, who have not. Read a single hadith on Islamic view, or Hamas's view, or the Taliban's view on uh, on queer LGBTQ people, but they are they are so engrossed in their own oppressor oppressor mentality that they just cannot think think or see anything outside of the immediate box. They see white man is a problem, therefore anything that any enemy of of the white man is my enemy. That's it. And what they don't understand that they are literally getting in the bed with the devil. Even, Kushal, even five years ago, these people, would they have, just put it this way, I've used this analogy before, five years ago, would these people have said queers, LGBTQ for the Taliban? Because the Taliban were fighting um, mm. evil, evil imperial Americans. Would they have said that? If they had said that, let's just say they have said that. If this wokeism was as bad as, as it is now, five years ago, it was just as bad if these people had said that five years ago literally they would have enabled the suffering of every every single woman girl in in afghanistan every single free-minded liberal-minded man child in afghanistan and they would have contributed to that directly and this is exactly what they're doing
0: talking about blue-eyed idiotic liberals i think nobody uh, ep- yeah uh i think uh, nobody epitomizes uh, human stupidity in 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 the way justin trudeau does i think mm-hmm. uh, you know when when they were distributing medals for human stupidity i think justin trudeau was like uh, hold my beer uh, kind of like i'm going there i need my medal kind of a situation and this is uh, this video was shared by dave rubin Uh, which was basically rebel news. Uh, He cut two videos and made it. But this is actually quite kind of appropriate. So this is Justin Trudeau when he was asked about these very violent sort of protests uh, which are happening uh, in favor of Palestine in Canada. And this is his answer. And then the next bit is when he was asked about the truckers protest. So just look at this. Forgetting a little bit that we're a country that protects the freedom of expression, that protects uh, liberty of conscience.
2: Trudeau invoking emergency powers, allowing the government to remove cars and trucks, suspend their insurance, and even freeze truckers'
0: personal and corporate bank accounts.
2: That respects and supports
0: people even when we disagree with them uh, across various points of view. Small fringe minority of people who... Are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing. We're a place that does diversity better than just about anywhere else. (laughs) Tourists (laughs) to Canada, I can tell you right now that's not going to happen. So, this guy, he epitomizes uh, human stupidity on steroids, I believe. I mean, if there is an on steroids version of human stupidity, it is Justin Trudeau and the Islamists know that. And the Khalistanis know that for the record because you can yeah. remove Islamism and you can add Khalistan and Justin Trudeau will give the same answer. Uh, Hindu temples get uh, vandalized in, in 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 Canada. No, no police investigation. Nothing is done. Everything remains the same. And you know what the interesting bit is? Uh, look at the speed of arrest. Look at the speed of the investigation and all these things that happen. And what do you think now? Now I want to focus on on a little bit different. Okay, we've talked about Islamism. It's. Different. I just want to. I just
1: want to add one more comment on that. The, 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 these idiotic far leftists are, they they like that woman who's just waiting, who who's just feeding the crocodiles, hoping that she would be eaten last. Uh, the, the, Justin Trudeau at the start of this conflict, because again he you now there's a conundrum. Ooh, who who should we pick? the Jews, or the Muslims. Muslims are far more numerous in number. And he went to a mosque, and he was shouted at, cussed at, and uh, he had to run like a loser from one of these mosques. Um, So, yeah, uh, you're right. He epitomizes stupidity. It doesn't get any stupider than that.
0: And you know what is unbelievable, is that these people are not realizing what it's doing to Western society internally. It is clearly developing, and this is my biggest fear, and and people like you and I, like, I did not have to put up an act. And this is not the first time when I told you on WhatsApp that I don't want to create anti-Muslim content. This is not the
1: first time. I've told you gonna, this. But it doesn't I mean, matter. Just... People are still going to call you an anti-Muslim bigot. Like they, they, they keep calling me that, oh, you want to see p- dead Palestinians. Like just, It just doesn't matter. There's no amount of reason. So if I can never please them, I'm, I'm just not going to try to. I'm going I'm to speak my mind. And, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna try my I'm gonna hope for the best. I'm gonna try my best to awaken the Western people, uh, but um, but yeah, some, uh, sometimes it looks like you're fighting a losing battle.
0: And and the problem is that these idiotic politicians on the left, whether we like it or not, and you have shared someone on the right with uh, Rishi Sunak, they don't. What they don't understand is, people are watching, human beings. Are seeing what's happening in their countries on their streets. Now, something that scared the living daylights out of me was this statistic that was shared on Twitter from a book, and uh, this one really share, uh, shared scared the shit uh, scared the shit out of me. Where I'm gonna I'm gonna show this about Sweden, and I'm not saying it's just Islam or Islamism, but look at read this section. Around 50% of rapes and attentive rates in Sweden are committed by foreign-born residents, most from countries with corresponding negative attitudes to gender equality and higher rates of female harassment than those found much in Europe. These trends for foreign-born crime more generally are also found in Norway, Denmark, Finland, and Switzerland. The interesting bit is this pattern is not unique to Europe. In Australia, for example, Sudanese migrants, many of whom experience high rates of violence in Sudan, are overrepresented in crime statistics, including violent crime. Now, why did I share this bit from the book? Why did I share this bit from the book? There's a reason for that, because all of this is going to eventually have an impact on global immigration policies and how the politics of these societies are all intertwined with this thing that if we are not going to talk about this problem in a nuanced manner, like someone like Harris and I try to, you're going to have simplistic bigots talking about it who are going to generalize, who are going to call all Muslims XYZ, all immigration in a certain manner. What are you going to do then, Harris?
1: Nana, or worse, Kushal, this is probably better of the two possibilities. The worst option is nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to do anything, and it's going to be business as usual, and the demographics are going to keep shifting. And as we've seen, especially in the case of Britain, there's been a cover-up, there's been grooming gangs issue, uh, and then the Home Office. I read the whole report. The Home Office tried to hide behind technical details That the majority were not, majority of the offenders were not Muslims or Asians. They were were white people. And in some cases, in some police stations, there was an error in data collection. Mm -hmm. One of the technical flaws was the fact that you are legally supposed to get a person's ethnicity from his own mouth in some cases, they looked at me and they said, okay, he's a brown Asian man, and they probably judged it from my name, Haris Sultan. Okay, probably a Pakistani. And they put it down. So they discarded that information. I read the whole report. And when you put that all into equation, into sorry, when you put all of that into consideration, you realize Muslim men, particularly from our part of the world, my country, were Overly represented, and this is exactly the fact that Swala Bravaman highlighted, and they went after her. That was her first strike. people they attacked her, all the, the, the this freaking leftist mob they attacked her that but she 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 survived that, but you know one strike is one strike and then there's another one and then another one, and that's it and then they took her out. so you're saying that they're gonna be some bigots who are gonna generalize all Muslims. Yeah, okay, that shouldn't happen. What we're proposing is the best-case scenario. Talk about it honestly. Look into these problems genuinely and try to come up with solutions. But nobody's paying attention. That goes out the window. The second one, you're saying that that's going to be the outcome because people are going to take matters into their own hands. We're going to have a lot of angry people who are not going to be happy with the immigration policies and their politicians. That's That's the second option. But the third option is, which I am beginning to believe, it's going to be no action, business as usual. Uh, Muslims uh, in 2003, 4% of the British population were Muslim. Today, they're 9%. In uh, another, uh, another 10 years' time, that number could be 15%. I'm sorry, you've seen this already, that when Muslims are pissed off about some far-flung political issue like Israel-Palestine, they can gather nearly half a million people in front of the Big Ben. What are you going to do about this? The, the whole country is paralyzed. The police has given up. Um, and what are you going to do with 15% people? I can tell you one thing. Muslims unite like no other. This is the most cohesive group. The Westerners, you have this difference of opinion. Even in Israel, you have some Israelis who are against, who are demanding ceasefire, but there's no Muslim. I've seen, I've seen so many of them. I would say 90% of them or over 90% of them. And again, we see who these influencers are. And Taylor or Mohammed Hijab. They, they don't even condemn Hamas for killing 1,200 people. They don't even condemn it. What do you think their followers are going to do? These guys have enormous pull. These guys have millions of followers who listen to them and they buy their narrative. And, and, and they're not some Pindus, villagers in Pakistan. These guys are living in the West. They live in London, America, Canada, Australia. These guys, these, and of course they're going to parrot the same narrative, and they're going to believe Hamas are freedom fighters, and the West is supporting them, whether that's Australia, Canada, Britain, or America, and they're going to see these countries as their enemies. Then even Pakistani Muslims say that we are Muslims first, and then we're Pakistanis. And I'm sure you have this problem too, as an as, as an Indian patriot, you it, it pisses off a lot of Indians that why are you not loyal to your country, and again indian muslims are native to india why do you think these people are not i mean these people are not even native to europe or britain They're maybe second generation third generation they don't care about that they have no they owe no loyalty or allegiance to britain they might owe it if britain goes to war with russia let's just say might they might um although i've seen a lot of british muslims who are supporting russia just because Russia is fighting against the West. That's how much they hate the West. But they love living in the West. I'm sorry, I think the the, the conservatives are allowed to ask these questions. They are allowed to demand their politicians to come up with a better solution. Otherwise, you're right. The people are going to get more and more conservative. But we've seen... I, I, I see the far right in the West. I'm not downplaying their threat or I'm not downplaying... Uh, the, the hateful ideology i'm talking about the far right wing white supremacists, but i think they're toothless they've lost they've lost it they have no power they think the no west uh, but western men in general have been emasculated over the last 75 years or so uh, and and these hypercharged high testosterone muslim men coming from eastern countries they've had tough lives they've they have, they have had violent upbringing. again i'm not talking about everyone but this A lot of them. A lot of them come there. We've seen hundreds of videos. Um, And and this is the reason why you see these videos every single day. These violent crimes are being committed against, you know, a a peaceful, you know, like a metrosexual kind of a Western man getting beaten up by some, you know, by by some really rough migrant who doesn't even speak the local language or they beats the shit out of them. They harass Western women. I'm sorry. I, I think they're losing it. They're losing it. It's still not too late yet, but they have. I, I I see no political will to come up with a solution. I see. I I don't see any spine in these politi- in these spineless political leaders to do anything about um the, uh, the, the the about the migration crisis. Not only you already have a huge problem, homegrown problem of radical ra- radical Muslims within your own borders. But you are importing even more of them, the fresh ones. They're even worse than the homegrown ones.
0: So what do you make of this news uh, clipping that was shared? Um,
1: According to the New York Times, the current Republican frontrunner, former President Trump, plans to address immigration with mass deportations, detention camps, and a new Muslim ban if he is reelected. That's right. Banning a religious group from coming to the United States. The Biden administration described Trump's reported plan as extreme, racist and cruel.
0: Now, this is a news report from MSNBC. I know that this was a clipping from MSNBC. But I did hear Donald Trump say what he said, and it was not far off. Far off.
1: Look, he said, look, he said it before. And and again, the more desperate we get, the more desperate our measures have to be. Um and uh, he, he he tried to do that before. What is it? He put eleven countries Muslim travel ban or something. Yeah, but the over, courts
0: uh, courts removed it. They over the it. And the same
1: thing happened. Swala Braberman came out with this new immigration Rwanda plan. The Supreme Court threw it out. In Australia, we had some forty fifty migrants with violent past. They they had been in detention for quite some time. Which actually I don't understand. Why didn't you deport them? Why didn't you send them back? There's no point in keeping them in detention camps for five, six, ten years. So in some cases, up to ten years. So the the Australian High Court said, sorry, you have to release them. Now, these guys have proven criminal record, and you're going to release them on the streets of Australia. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a law expert. I don't understand. I, I, I just can't understand how difficult it could be to vet people, ask them tough questions, they have already enacted laws where if you are found guilty of any terror-related offense, then your citizenship could be canceled. We have Shamima Begum's precedence, and I know it's difficult, I know it's, but at least it sends a good message. We have people like Muhammad Hijab with hundreds of followers walking in the streets of London asking for the blood of Jews, and nobody does anything. i i I don't know i don't know what the solution is but but i'm not willing to accept that there is no solution we just gotta take it i just i I just don't i i I think i think
0: it's uh it's a policy problem and uh i want to back you up i think it's a larger left-wing mindset that is a problem here I want to share something with you. I think you'll find it very interesting. This was Before, before I
1: share that with you, before, before you share that with me, I, I, I want to I give you a little snippet of what I'm actually talking sure. about. L- listen to this. Sure, please do. Please do. Okay, wait, I'll
2: share. I feel so sorry for the Israeli yeah. Zionists. Why don't they give a place in Germany? Why don't they go to Hitler's back garden and make an occupation there? Then they will know what kind of people these are. Why every so many hundred years, the Zionists get slaughtered because Hitler knew how to deal with these people.
0: My goodness. They probably
2: made a program so they can create a, a state of Israel oh my goodness. in the expense of Palestinian Muslims' blood.
1: So the police was looking for him. Uh, again, I'm 100% certain they would have said, well, freedom of speech, let him have it. And uh, nothing would have... nothing about it. This is insanity. I did not know about this. <laughs> there, there, there's so many more uh, i i, I could play i've got tons of these videos where uh, they, I mean, did literally... you
0: see, uh did you hear what susan uh sarandon that famous uh uh hollywood actor she said did you hear her
1: i heard about it she, so she said something pro palestine and she got sacked from a movie is that is that the one you're talking about
0: yeah so she said something Absolutely batshit crazy. Where something she said that, uh, quote, uh, Jews are getting a taste of how it feels to be a Muslim in America,
1: huh? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just don't get it. I, 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 don't, really? I don't get it.
0: What the hell is wrong but with I... these people? But to explain what, what's happening now, nah, Harris, so it's a policy perspective. So, read this article, I want you to understand what I'm trying to say. Prolific offenders are committing an outsized amount of crime in the province of British Columbia. This is again Canada. Now, people might ask, I live in Canada a lot now, so I follow Canadian news, Canadian policy, Canadian statistics a lot. So I just know a lot about that. So this is the news uh, where in February 2002, Hopkins was 36 and already had a lengthy criminal record fueled by addiction to heroin and cocaine. He begged the judge for a three year prison sentence. Hopkins said he knew the system, knew the law and knew, uh, quote, lousy, stinking 27 months wasn't enough for him to get the programs he needed to deal with the fact that he was, quote, very angry at the world. Quote, I want to deal with my anger issues. Those are things that I can't deal with in 27 months. The point is that in Canada, when they did some research, they found out there is a bare minimum number of people who keep committing the same Crimes again and again, and these stupid Canadian courts and lawmakers have a system of keep releasing them back in society. And here, why did I read this? The criminal himself is saying, drugie, huh? I am a I am a druggist, take me back in. The criminal is begging, he's begging. Yeah, and they still don't get it. These are bad policies, Haris. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, but but the West had this enlightenment way after the Second World War. The the punishments kept getting lean more and more lenient. Whereas uh, they made a mistake that people coming from other cultures, where they have to go through you know a different sort of upbringing. If you if you if you grow up in a slum in Pakistan or even in India for that matter, you've had a tough life. You're not going to worry about a three-month, a, a, a twelve-month good behavior bond over a, you know, like over doing something silly, whereas you know, like in our countries, in India and Pakistan, you know, like there's a lati charge, there's a baton charge at the police, and then they, you yeah, know, then they, they, they make, yeah, they make, they make you realize that whoa, 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 you're never going to do that again. I'm going to, so we scare them, so we have harsher punishments.
0: Those videos about how our police used to deal with the lockdown breakers, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Many like, of yeah.
1: I showed, the, I showed them to my, a lot of my Western audience and they were, like, horrified. Like, even some people who say that the, uh, the punishment <laughs> should be a bit more stricter than that, even they were, like, horrified. They were, like, whoa. I'm, like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Even I'd get it. <laughs> so, but but, but my, my point was the West is actually delusioned. They think that all, again, these are, I can, I can, I could understand that they're coming from a good position. But they're totally devoid of reality and understanding how the world actually works. You cannot, and again, like you talked about Sudanese migrants in Australia. look, we had a sudden rise of violent crimes in Australia after a lot of Sudanese migrant refugees came here. I'm not demonizing every Sudanese of course, but but they but but I remember listening to someone who was saying that these guys have literally seen like one of the worst kind of violence that you and I can't even imagine the family members getting butchered with hacksaw and uh, the, the, uh, with meat cleavers the limbs torn apart and then they come here and then of course it's going to be knife crime of course And they haven't had I don't know what kind of therapy they've had that, that, that's going to take years of therapy for you for them to assimilate in the in this peaceful puppy loving tree hugging kind of a you know western world so a lot of that is self-inflicted. And Europe, I don't, I don't know how often you go. I go there every year. But uh, you, you, I, I miss the good days of Europe. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, Whether you go to France or you go to certain parts of England, it's pretty bad. Australia is still the last bastion. But unfortunately, whatever happens in the rest of the world, we get it a couple of years later. So they need to make some tough decisions. Now, now is the time.
0: So whether it's immigration, so what kind of immigration? Because see, Haris, try and understand this point of view. Then, if they make an immigration policy about Muslims in general, then won't people like you suffer? Let's say there are good people in Pakistan. So what do you do then? So
1: No, so so obviously, so Australia has this luxury, right? So there are two types of migration. Obviously, the skilled migrations. I think Indians are. Biggest group of migrants into and Australia. Migrants, not yeah. only
0: in Australia, in Canada. Not in, in,
1: I'm, I'm just. I'm just giving Australia as an example. So, so I looked at it. There's there's China. There's uh, Vietnam. There's some, obviously Britain and New Zealand. And there's so many other countries. But Pakistan was there too. But right at the end. But they were all skilled migrants. Okay. So the skilled migrants. So that's the first step that we can have. Okay. Answers. We need skilled migration. We need skilled migration. People who. Who work hard for the migrant, and, and I know a lot of Pakistanis in Australia. You know, like a lot of them, the, the the good people. But the problem usually a big chunk of these people who who don't pay any respect are actually what we call boat people. They they've just jumped on it again. Violent past. They haven't like anything. If you if you work hard for something, like I worked hard. I did my university degree, and then I applied. For, uh, for for permanent residence, and then I went through the process, and then looked at my point system, and then looked at everything, and then I was awarded. I was like, Thank goodness I got it. I didn't want to go back to Pakistan, so so I earned it, right? I worked hard for it. Um, and then if you come there, I'm not saying that you know it's all easy for migrants as well. I think they go through a lot of hard work and detention. I know some migrant people, migrants as well, um, but you have to this. This commitment that we have that anyone who comes here, we're, we're gonna have to give them space or we're gonna we owe them a life or livelihood in Australia because one, it undermines legal uh, migration. Because what about a good meaning Pakistani who's done his university degree, he's worked hard, studied hard, and now he wants to come? What about him? You've or an in Indian, for, for example, you, you've just taken his spot so so. Illegal migration, boat people, people coming illegally, there should be stricter uh, policies on them. There aren't any. Secondly, even, I get it, we have some Geneva Convention on International UN Human Rights Charter, etc., blah, 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 human. we we, we got to do that as well. We can't turn back everyone. Um, but there has to be a strong vetting process. There, are, You think in this the world that we live in, where we don't even look at someone, we don't even make a comment about hijab because it's politically incorrect, you think they ask these tough questions to these people? Ask them. I'm I'm sitting in the migration office. I asked this guy, yeah? Fighting age, 25-year-old male, no woman. All of these guys coming from these so-called dangerous places. Why have you left your family behind? Okay, all right. Ask them tough questions. What do you believe in? Do you think this is okay? Do you think this is okay? I know. They can lie. They can do takia, whatever. They can lie. But don't give them permanent residency. Have them on good behavior bond. Have have them in these places, again, only if your economy can support them. Right now, we we have a mockery of the system. There are people found living in British hotels where they're paying 60, 50 pounds a day to these people, while ordinary people um, are struggling to make ends meet. So you can only take as much as you can, okay? And again, make like this Rwanda policy that well Brevin said. I'm not a legal expert, so I'm not going to say whether how humane or how Technically legal, it was. Apparently, High Court threw it out. But I know that in Australia, our Liberal Party, which is a centre of the right party, they always come back with stronger migration policies. Which amazingly, it turns boat people away because these boat people are not coming on their own. Like I mean, they're coming here through. People smugglers and people smugglers know which country is the best one to go to, where your chances to get the local citizenship are going to be uh, are going to be far better than going to, let's say, another country. So, so the liberal uh, 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 the the liberals come here, the liberal party comes here, and they make such policies that turns away boat people and they go elsewhere. They go to other countries. And the Labour Party comes here and they say, oh, no, you know, we are more humane. You know, we got to look after everyone. And then all of a sudden we start seeing more boats, boats uh, turning up on our shores. So it can be done. It can be minimized. But this currently that we see that these people full of boats they just turn up on on a Spanish beach. We've seen those videos on Italian beach. People turn up in hundreds and just scatter. They just go everywhere. They're, 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 they're those beautiful tourist Greek islands who have been just squatted by these thousands of migrants and the police can't do anything because, again, the European Union I used to be a big fan of, but I think the system is broken because uh, Italy can't make any decision on, um, on on the migrant crisis without the approval from uh, Brussels. So, so it can be done. It just requires some political will.
0: Yeah, in my opinion, I think it's... Just, uh... It's a much deeper question, which I can't uh, speak on in detail over here. I'm going to do a monologue on this. In fact, I'm going to do a monologue titled All Cultures Are Not Equal. And Maya? I think it's time uh, It's time to, you know, people uh, um, to understand this reality that different cultures have different values. Different mm-hmm. religions are d- problematic in different ways. Uh, and you have to respect that reality. Um, and uh, when you invite people into your society, it is very important to understand do they carry your values or not? Because there are certain values that make your society click and success succeed. Those uh, those uh, those values could be freedom of speech, individualism, uh, human the concept of human rights, concept of law and order, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And when you have people who come in who may not have these values, you're going to deteriorate your society collectively. Now, as of now, the West was successfully able to manage where the first generation immigrant, most of them were educated. So it was fine. And then their kids were just born in those countries and they became like that country. But now they are facing this problem. And and again, there is radicalization through the Internet which just cannot be stopped. The internet is, while the internet is also opening people's minds, right? When people like you and I have conversations, there are young people or middle-aged people or old people who listen to us and they are, their mind is also open to liberal values, to, to in my case, a, a mix of Eastern and Western values both. I, I am a mixture of both cultures. And I always say this, that uh, it, it's a battle of ideas. Everybody has to do it. And uh, if we don't uh, unabashedly call, uh, this is why I have such a huge problem with moral relativists, whether in India or whether outside India. You know, inside the Hindu community, there might be people who always come up with some sort of absurd apology every time some aspect of Hinduism is, call, you know, criticized, calling it some colonial this, colonial that, this that. I'm like, look, everything cannot be a colonial conspiracy. Uh, maybe hmm. your culture has some sucky values, and you should understand that and try to improve it. Like I've always said, uh, Indian culture overall is better than Pakistani culture. I, I you're a Pakistani, and, and 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 I'm saying this very openly. I believe Indian culture overall is superior. India carries certain values, and and even Hindu culture carries certain values that are better than Muslim values. Similarly, Western culture is superior, whether you like it or not. It is a superior hmm. culture, and and. Uh, I don't know how else to say this. And immigration policies have to be designed around that.
1: Yeah, but uh, I was going to... Uh, probably the UAE is not the best example, but I think we can learn something from there as we play, we started this stream with the uh, UAE's foreign minister's statement. A lot of these people go there. What is it? 60% or 70% of the UAE population is foreign-born? They're not even... Uh, something like that, but... Indians. Uh, yeah, well, they're not all Indians, of course. They're, they're, a lot, a lot of a huge chunk oh, yeah, of them know, are I Indians. I know, I know. But my point is, people people from all over the world go there, tax-free haven, you know. Yeah, but really strict laws. And I hope that they actually, obviously not every law, I don't agree with every law, because there are a lot of Islamist laws there too. Oh, they There's have ridiculous laws, man.
0: Yeah, yeah no, no the but they, look, they have softening.
1: Look, they have softening them. Like, for example, they've legalized... Uh, adultery, so you know, or decriminalized. Sorry, they, they have decriminalized adultery, and I think um, we're probably going to see decriminalized homosexuality as well. So those humanist laws, but they they are very harsh on violent crimes, and yeah, yeah. Nobody, cross, nobody crosses nobody crosses the line there. So, but we have, as you said earlier, these heroin addicts, these junkies, they're doing violent crime, stabbing, etc. They go they go in front of a, they appear before a Western judge. He gives them about six months. The first offense, twelve months, good behavior bond. No, I think so yeah, the West, yeah, the West has been a superior civilization for especially after the second world war, um but I don't know, some of its strengths are becoming its weaknesses, and a lot of people draw analogies uh, or parallels between the Ro- the ancient Roman Empire and uh, modern America or the West in general, and if you look at one of the many reasons of the fall of um the Roman Empire is attributed to um, you know this refugee crisis. There were Goths coming in from all directions. There was the the, 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 the there were Huns coming in from the other direction. There were there there were migrants coming from all around, and the empire was in was unable to house them or even to repel them. And in the end, the Roman army, the majority of Roman army, was consisted of these um these other nationalities. Um, so. I don't know. I think the history has a funny way of repeating itself.
0: Yeah. So, just for context, for people who may not know, so three point one six percent of Australia is Muslim. In the case of New Zealand, is point eight four percent. Then you have the United Kingdom. It is three point two three percent. That's it. That's. But no, no, it's different... more than
1: that. No, it's more than that. I'm... It's close to eight percent. Sure. Yeah. You sure? Pretty, pretty sure. Yeah. I think you're looking at old oh. numbers, bro. Yeah, so there, there was a there was a census result too.
0: Um, no, it's three point three percent. I'm looking at world population review, and I'm I'm talking about United Kingdom, world population see. review, and uh, maybe, maybe it's yeah. eight
1: million then. Uh, six. no hang on, so census yeah. result, British Muslim. Okay, so Muslim increased from 4.9%. This is a census result from the government of U UK, okay? In okay. two in 2011, it increased to 6.5%. And I'm pretty sure right now it would be, it's around 8%. Uh, sorry, 6.5% in 2021.
0: So I'm at World Population Review. Yeah, that just, that's just,
1: yeah, it's, 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 it's pathetic. It's obviously not up to date. As I said, so America the,
0: the, the, is 1%. That's all America is at. Mm.
1: Mm. So it's 65 percent, um, and that's uh, obviously uh, just uh, that's just actually England and Wales. Doesn't include Scotland, but I don't, I don't think it would be much.
0: So what is Canada? Canada is around five percent.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, that sounds Canada. right.
0: I have no idea about Germany and all those countries. I think Germany. I think is France also... is probably.
1: I think France is probably eight percent.
0: Germany is around 5.5%, and then Sweden is around 7%, I think. and 10%
1: in 2023, Islam in France. So so isn't that interesting? I mean, if you look at it, a lot of people, and again, these bleeding-heart leftists, they use the same argument. They're like, oh, it's only 10%, I mean, 90% are non-Muslims. So it's not, it cannot be Muslims. Uh, but when you look at these individual uh, crime statistics that disproportionately disproportionately represented um when you look at these political turmoils that you see these protests these th- this clear clash of different set of values that each group espouses to or adheres to or follows um, you you see that such a small number can cause such havoc then imagine no, But it's what's not going to
0: be. all of them, right? It's a very tiny minority, but there's so how How tiny is vocal. it? No, no,
1: I, 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 I know we want to be politically correct, but how tiny no, no, is it? When, I, half a million, genuine. when half a million... When half a million... So when half a million Muslims turn up in London, right? half a million out of 3.9 million, half a million turn up. So you could say, what, what is it? What, what does that work out to be? Half a million out of four. That's what 25%? 25% of Muslim population turns up in uh, pro-Palestine and they're all the same. And again, a lot of them didn't turn up. I can guarantee you the vast majority of them would be pro. And, and of course, like out of half a million, let's just say a hundred thousand were, were not Muslims. They were just these bleeding heart leftists or something. Okay. But these are the very passionate people who turned up. My cousins who are very liberal kind of Muslims. And you know, I like, they don't even care. Like I didn't even think I, I, in my mind, I thought they're probably atheists. Very passionate about Palestine. And again, like I understand, a lot of that is yeah, sometimes it's, it's
0: just an end thing, and you just you're.
1: It, it isn't an in thing. It's a hip. It's an it's a hip thing. But I think I'm gonna to quote Tommy Robinson. He said, "What would you rather have me do? Hope for the best, or actually do something about it? Just hope, gamble, gamble with my future that oh, you know what? They're they're, they're gonna they're gonna come around. They're not gonna do anything. Or I need to force my government right now to take decisions that is going to soften the blow in the future." So I mean, if I was Tommy Robinson, yeah, I'd be, I'd be on his own. I'm not even Tommy Robinson. I'm not even, a, I'm not even white, but I can see the threat. This, this is a genuine threat. Anyone who doesn't acknowledge it is literally sinking his head in the sand.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's now take the questions, and then we'll uh, yeah, wrap it get up. out of here. So, do you take, this is from your channel? Do you guys think correct epistemology is a proper weapon against these issues? Otherwise, it leads to what about regarding different religions? It's a very good question. I
1: have to when isn't? It. It? Yeah, do you want to take it? Do you want to answer it?
0: No, I think correct epistemology is very important, which is why I decided, uh, along with Harris, to call it Islamism, not Islam. Although I'm not a fan of religion at a personal level, but I still believe that the problem is Islamism. Now, Haris might disagree with me. It's okay. Uh, oh. uh, yeah, But uh, I think it's, an, uh, it's, it's when you use religion and, uh, in, a, in a political way, that's when the problem survives, arrives. Because otherwise, uh, Christianity is equally problematic at a textual level. It's just that people don't take it seriously. That's the only difference between the two. The level of religiosity. Now, that, that's, that's why I think it's very important to use these things. And second, is no, but in that, that
1: case, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, oh, go on. Sorry, I, I thought you were done.
0: And the second case is that just like an Islamist is driven to impose Islamism on your society, you have to be driven to impose liberalism on, uh, on your society. When you are driven is when you fight for your rights. You should have that zeal for democracy, for liberalism, for free speech.
1: Yeah, look, I, I obviously disagree with that because what does Islamism mean? Applying Islam—that's what it means. And those who are not Islamist, basically, they're the one—they're your modern Christians who are not taking Islam seriously. So, Islamism is a problem. Why not call Islam a problem? Islam is a problem. Christianity—we would all be concerned about Christianity if if Christians started taking Christianity seriously. Although I. Doubt that Christianity has a potential of being that lethal, as lethal as Islam. Has anyone ever wondered why do Muslims, you know, are, are a special case? Why are, why do Muslims take Islam more seriously than any other group of people? I mean, in, you see a lot of Hindus. They, you know, they have this reverence to their religion and. Uh, but but mostly is benign and and pacifist and as you know, they're just interested in the worshiping and you know the festivals and puja part and all that kind of thing, which I might find stupid, but it's not lethal, it's not dangerous, I don't mind, I don't care about that. But Islam, every Muslim, moderate or not, lipstick or not, ends up becoming an Islamist. And the litmus test comes when there is a conflict again Israel Palestine straight away, even if the West... The West has has its own baggage. It's not as simple as like, oh, there's some Bible-thumping Christians who support Israel, Zionist movement, and that's the reason why the West stands with them. Rishi Sunak is not a Bible-thumping, you know, uh, uh, pro-Zionist Christian. He's not. Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. It's It's the only true democracy. Yes, it's not perfect. By any stretch of imagination. Israeli so Muslims you know,
0: have more rights than Palestinian Muslims.
1: Or or no, I heard a better one. Uh than any other Muslim in the Middle East. How many other mu- Middle Eastern Muslims actually vote and elect their leader? I mean, yeah. none. None. So um so yeah, so 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 that's the reason why the reason why the West is standing with Ukraine is because Ukraine is a democracy. The West goes. To defend democracies, people don't understand that. Even the people who grow up in the West, they don't understand that. They think they're you know, some conspiracy, anti-Islam, anti-Putin, anti-Russia. They have imperial America. They have their own ambitions. The oil, yes, it can be all of those things as well. Some people say, "Well, you the West only stands with Ukraine because they're blonde-haired and blue-eyed Europeans. That's why they're standing." Well, you know, you know, it's the easiest counter to that is. Biden has said numerous times that if, if China goes into Taiwan, we're going to go for them. E- even though historically America's policy has been a- that of ambiguity. Uh, leave them guessing. China knows. Yeah. Would they come? Would they not come for them? Well, the Taiwanese are not blue-haired white Europeans, but the America would go for them. America would go for them. You know why? Because it's supposed to be a democracy. We have a, we have an obligation to protect and defend democracies. South Korea, if anything happens to it, we'll go for them. So... Um, so, so that's what the West does, and unfortunately, it is in direct conflict with Islam, which leads to Islamism.
0: Yeah, but religions are developing at different rates. Uh, the older the religion, the less uh, potent it becomes over a period of time. I don't know, 200 have two hundred
1: years to find out. <laughs> i saw my mallow down in the 23rd century oh, okay i don't know how that much, i don't know that much time.
0: <laughs> all right all right let's go to the next question kushal and harris your thoughts about professor Hootboy's comment i mean we can't read the clip so I don't know yet. What we can do is we can read this and I'll probably leave a comment or something. Okay. I request both of you to always keep a disclaimer when you are talking about religious dogmas that ideologies and humans are different because some viewers are not able to differentiate between the two. I mean, how many times are we supposed to give this disclaimer? I'm bored of this disclaimer. Every time I give the disclaimer.
1: I was going to say that, you know, the West has actually fallen in this rabbit hole of oh, we have to respect religion when it should be the other way around. Muslims, are, we've said it 50 million times, Muslims are capable of changing their minds if we actually criticize Islam. But I see this Piers Morgan and all the, 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 the discourse in the West. Nobody has touched Islam. Nobody. They have gone after Hamas. They've, they've pointed out radical Muslims and they're wondering why these Muslims in the West chanting these genocidal slogans. But nobody dares, in the mainstream, dares to question Islam. Where does that come from? Where does this mentality come from? Look at this guy. I have to play this video very quickly. I'm sorry. I wanted to play this before, but I'll play it now. Um, look at him. He says, this is not anti-Semitism. This is just our religion. Listen to this. But there
2: will come a time, ya Muslim. There will come a time. And we relate the ahadith of the Prophet wasallam that the Muslims and the Jews, they will fight. And there is coming a time where there will be fighting. And he told us that the inanimate objects will speak on those days. The inanimate objects will speak. And this is not anti-Semitic, this is a part of our tradition. We simply relay the hadith and we say that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi told us that when that is, there is a war going on. Mm. There's a war going on.
1: And that that gives them the biggest boner of all time. Like this in Islamic eschatology. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) <laughs> that time will come and this is why hamas gets and all the muslims get so excited because they think yeah. now is the time now is the time maybe tomorrow that rock is going to tell me the stone is going to tell me that there is a jew hiding behind him but anyway so he's saying look at this he's boastfully they saying they have
2: it. drones that say to them oh so and so there's a muslim there press your button and destroy it so we're simply just turning it around and telling them what our tradition will be at that time you have your inanimate drones that will speak to you and say to you, there's a Muslim there, doesn't matter that it's a hospital and there are dead people and there are injured people and old people. You know what we're going to do? Press a button and bomb it and there it goes. Just As like that. for the Muslims at that time, the Prophet ﷺ okay. told us that the trees and the stones, the stones will speak and say, Oh Muslim, behind me there is a Yahudi, come and kill him. All oh, these times are coming. The way night follows day and day follows night because the Prophet sallam, him.
1: said it. So, rest assured, I mean, just imagine how stupid these people are. You know, the, the West and the rest of the world that, are... that
0: piece of shit had a Western watch, a Western mic, a Western everything. <laughs> what
1: the yeah, hell yeah, has but, he but, done? Yeah but, yeah, but listen to this, Kushal. How stupid are these people? There is one group of people, the West, that you hate the most. They're investing in drones, these inanimate objects, who have actually made a reality that you know like they can fly around and they can press a button and they can cause so much damage. Well, what are these guys relying on? One day that stone is going to talk to me. It's going to tell me there's a Yahudi Allah. He's standing behind me. Yeah, a Muslim come and kill it. You know? That's, so so I, I genuinely believe if Muslims are left to the devices in the muslim countries there would have never been more than just a nuisance you know like you, by nuisance i mean a terrorist attack here and there frustrated attack that would have been it but that but there can be more than that that when the demographics change in the west this can be really really bad it's not gonna be like oh these are westernized muslims i hope that might be the case i mean i still am an optimistic person i still hope that but
0: well, in america uh, it is that case right american muslims are very you don't know optimistic.
1: that no but we've seen we've seen a lot. yeah look again you, you you probably you yeah you give me hope you're right that uh, there, there was a pro palestine um uh protest there as well and look they could be genuinely they could genuinely think that this is a you know presser presser thing colonial versus uh, a, a, an oppressed group of people. They could genuinely see that and they may not realize that at the, at the heart of it, it's a religious issue. So once they understand that, they might be able to go beyond that. So so yeah, you're probably right. But Europe is very dangerously close to falling.
0: Yeah, well, what do you do? Okay, um, somebody has asked Walker. I don't know where this from. Uh, would you like to discuss aid groups actually helping Palestinians? If so, how to contact?
1: Um, I think the general one would be the UN, the Red, one. Cross. The UN. The yeah. Red Cross. The Red Cross. I think the Red Cross is probably doing it. I think so. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not fully aware. I I, I actually stopped watching. I stopped following. I, I haven't been tweeting on Israel Palestinian Palestinian issue because th- this is a common mistake that people make that just because you take a stance that is against the popular choice, like you either on Israel's side or you're on Palestine's side. So if I say Hamas is a terrorist organization, what they did on the 7th of October was evil and barbaric and Israel has a right to exist and Israel has a right to defend itself. You go, ah, so you want to see dead babies. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's My heart bleeds for them. No, 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 no. No matter how many times you say it, it doesn't matter. You've picked a side. You're, you're a Zionist, you're on Israel's side. Even though I have throughout, leading up to this, point i have always spoken against the israeli jewish settlements um, that are purely founded on islam and people who have listened to me for a very long time people who have followed me they have known this but even they're like no you're a zionist you're a uh, you, well i do believe uh, jews have a right uh, to a state um so th- i guess that makes me zionist but not that zionist that that, that is for uh, jewish settlements so, so I, I just thought, you know, I, I don't agree with everything that Israel does. So, I'm, I'm trying to stay out of it uh, as much as I can. So that's why like, I come in. again, that those videos that we see of um, children being blown up, um, it's very difficult. Oh, it's very difficult to, to say. Uh, uh, but the good thing in that is that you could keep pressuring the Israeli government that hey, the world is watching. You have to. You have to try your absolute best to minimize it. And I think Israel has has done a lot. But again, war is brutal and hor- horrific and ugly. They have dropped flyers, they have sent messages, they've done, they've, they've done, they've taken a reasonable amount of steps. So I'm not, I'm not an expert, so I'm not gonna say they've done absolute best or they they've done everything they could, but I think they have done a lot to make to minimize the civilian casualties. But at the end of the day, 10,000 people is still a lot of people. But this is not a genocide, as Muhammad Hijab himself has admitted. This is not a genocide. He said, no, I didn't call it a genocide. So it's not a genocide. But again, Muslims are good with using uh, these buzzwords. They're good in portraying themselves as the biggest victims of the world. Again, Palestinian people are right to have their grievances, their right to protest, their right to be angry. Um, they're in the middle of a conflict, again, you all know Harari said it, that people outside of this conflict, people like you and me and people, these Muslim people and these Christians and other people who are living outside of this immediate conflict we should not be such partisans, we should not be just blindingly supporting everything or using the kind of language that Ben Shapiro has been using, Um, so Um, so yeah but it's messy so i'm I'm trying my best
0: i've hosted shadi hamid on my podcast where a while ago a few months ago way before this uh, war started where i did share the palestinian perspective i would urge all of you to go and check out my podcast with shadi out and shadi is someone i'm very fond of and i continue and i remain fond of him And he's very much on the Palestinian point of view. And he acknowledges Hamas as a terror group too. And he says what they did was wrong. So the next question is, I guess I'll have to take it. How could India deal with the menace of Islamism when it comes to poor law enforcement? Should there be a civil society movement, Arpit? Uh, I disagree with you because there is no solution to law and order. Law and order can only solve these problems. And the good thing about India is that the police to citizen ratio in India, while it is still less, is actually improving. And that's a a thing that is something that is good. And uh, I have data to back it up, which I have shared many times in form of charts on this podcast. So I can't uh, share it again uh, because otherwise I'll have to look it up again. And uh, it's a whole... uh, whole new process where uh, uh, basically what the chart shows is that communal riots in India year on year, year on year uh, for a while, have been actually going down consistently in India. And that's only because law and order in India has been improving. So, am we, we can only discuss uh, post-independence India. I mean, if somebody wants to get into this debate about what happened for 5,000 years in India, listen, you can debate this with someone else. But I'm not your person to debate that, because I can only talk about uh, post-independence India once the British have gone. So again, for the benefit of all the viewers, uh, I'm going to put this chart up. This is culled from the national database. And these are the total cases registered under riots from 1970 to 2021. And uh, unfortunately for the audio members, you cannot see this uh, audio listeners. But as you see on the screen, the numbers have nosedived because state capacity in india is consistently getting better and that's the only solution to this problem and i don't know why people keep thinking civil society or any of this movement um any other kind of movement will help this it doesn't actually so this gentleman forgot to type the question uh so i don't know <laughs> what do i do with the person take it. we'll take it yeah so i don't know what to do i mean the, they should have typed the question
1: uh it's a Palestine... super sticker it's just a super yeah, so... sticker some people just like no no I... How are you with okay. money
0: yeah israel palestine two state solution works only but if palestine is a secular democracy and that is a tragedy cause the palestinian answer is a caliphate what do you make of that
1: yeah in an ideal world yes but that but you can't keep on going like this and you can't keep on saying well you're going to- you're not going to form a kind of government that we want. Yes, we know Islam is bad. We know Islamism is bad, jihadism is bad, and caliphate idea is a, is a medieval idea. We know all of that. And I get it that Israel um, is concerned and they would rather keep the Palestinian territories occupied um, and say that, well, we're going to keep this uh, you know blockade on these Palestinian territories to make sure that you don't get any weapons to, um, you know, to attack us with. So I get that. But things can't keep on going the way they have been going. So I, I was listening to someone uh, on Times Radio, and they were saying that the that the Biden administration must be having some sort of an end game or 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 a, or a plan post conflict where they'll have to do something. But Israel currently saying, "Well, we're going to occupy it. We're going to run it ourselves." But I think that's only going to make matters worse. I mean, I guess you could probably do it on a temporary basis for five, six, six months or maybe 12 months. But then you're going to have to involve some other Muslim countries as well. You're going to have to say, well, you know, we can't let it happen. We can't let it be a breeding ground for another Hamas-like organization, uh, which is five years down the track. They're going to kill 1,200 of our civilians again. We can't allow that. So, so there has to be a better solution. Uh, you, you have to find moderate voices from within the Muslim world I think there was a hope that Israel was going to reach some sort of a some sort of an agreement with Saudi Arabia, and Israel uh, and Iran sabotaged it. It's clear as daylight. Anyone who doesn't believe it is an idiot. Hamas is a, is an extremist organization that wants to wipe Israel off the map. No sane voice can accept that, or no sane voice can sit on the table with those people. Um, so the need to find and Benjamin Netanyahu has to go as well. Benjamin Netanyahu is on record saying that you know Hamas works out better for us better for Israel because these rat the more I'm paraphrasing of course what I'm just explaining what he meant that the more Hamas acts out the better it is because then the world will be focused on that and then hey we don't we can't have a two state solution look at this so moderate voices from within palestine have to be empowered bibi netanyahu has to go and we have to eventually move towards a two-state solution. By the way, as much as I've done my reading and I've listened to experts as well, uh, I know it's all, all, all versions of events are contentious, but Israel has been more serious about a two-state solution on more instances than the Palestinians uh, because it's all or nothing for, Pal- uh, for for the Palestinians and it helps them theologically as well. We take it, otherwise we keep producing martyrs we we love death you know like people like Mohammed they 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 popularize these kind of beliefs so we we love to die while he says it he says it from the comfort of his um from his British home where he gets like what 25 30 million YouTube views a month that amounts to somewhere around 40 50 thousand pounds a month that's some that's a lucrative business and he's enjoying his way um his, his fame and notoriety but at the same time he wouldn't go, but he would tell other people to go and die, fight for the Holy Land. One rules for me, one rules for thee.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, okay, this is uh, there are two questions. I'm going to mix them while I put one on the screen. Will ongoing immigration to the West increase racism? Basically, what the what the other person had said was Muslims in Europe will basically immigrate and if, they, if the Islamists keep on their activities, then there will be a giant backlash in the form of racism and violence. That's what people are saying, which is something which is sad. Because listen, just like for us, uh, Harris, everybody knows that. First, I'll say this in Punjabi Hindi: Sare gure ekojay sanu, like all white people look the same for us. <laughs> It <laughs> could So then, for them, also all there are some prettier. Are the
1: there, there are some prettier ones, and then there's some. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> so no, so so well, Krishna was saying obviously, like they may also see all of us as the same. So so yeah, look, I mean, the white supremacists might think that way, um, but as I said, the white supremacists have lost the battle. They have. There's. They they call. Slightly conservative people like Tommy Robinson, far right, far right, far right, and we've seen that they're, 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 they're harmless. They could not, they could not do anything, even on the Remembrance Day when nothing only Tommy Robinson could do it. But they, what are you going to do when the hundred Tommy Robinson influential ones or charismatic ones who can mm-hmm. gather crowds? That 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 obviously certainly is a possibility. But I have a feeling that they're sleepwalking into it. The West is too; it's become too benign and toothless for for for, for its people to do anything like I don't know who said it but the western men are emasculated they 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 have been um I don't know I, 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 I don't I, I think if we we might end we might need people like Swella Braverman men or those kind of politicians um, we can we can bet our hopes on them, but even then, like the system, is, the system is too strong. It's too humane. It's too humanistic. As I said, even if you make some laws or you make some legal changes, the, the supreme that the courts might overthrow it, like the Trump's Muslim travel ban, he might say it. He might win elections on that promise, but he would never be able to implement that.
0: Yeah, I guess it will take the LGBTs uh, to go to Gaza and to the rest of the Muslim world and change them. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: the LGBTs for Gaza. Anyways, so we'll wrap we'll it buy up. A return
1: now. T- we'll buy a return ticket, but they might but they might not need.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, before we wrap it up, I'll give you the last word.
1: I think I have said way too much, I think. We we've, we've spoken enough. I think it's uh, it is high time that the western leaders wake up. I, I have been thinking that what we've been saying for a very long time, that the, the threat of Islamism is coming. This is creeping Sharia. this the, the numbers are increasing. And hoping that they will change. They will abandon their belief without us targeting Islam. Islam is the root of all evil. Muslims say that, oh, I, a Muslim could be wrong, but Islam is perfect. We have to reverse that narrative. And in the in the main discourse, people are still reluctant to criticize Islam because it's a brown man's religion. And Muslims also tend to react very violently. And any person from uh, from the native side, uh, be it Americans or not Native Americans, but I mean Anglo Saxon people, if they if they try to the local inhabitants, if they try to criticize Islam, they become far right wing, white supremacist bigots, we have to drop this attitude. I'm I'm willing to show more compassion to... Not willing. I mean, we've always said it. that Because I and people like me are the prime examples of change. We can assimilate. But only if we are allowed to have an honest conversation. Islam is a religion, an ideology, like any other ideology. It can be attacked, can be criticized. On mainstream, we can target it. Um, we should not quease and cringe and, uh, you know say that, oh, it's inappropriate for us to talk about Prophet Muhammad's marriage of nine years old. Where, where, what's the West going to do, like these bleeding-heart lefties? What are they going to do when they say, well, I should be allowed to marry a nine-year-old because it's my religious right? Sunnah, which is following in the footsteps of the Prophet, is a major tenet of Islam, Islamic faith. Are you going to say, well, okay, you know what? Because we're polite, we let you block streets and pray and uh, be annoying for everyone else. We let you uh, blare out your azan. The call to prayer on loudspeakers. Now we don't care about the neighborhood. We are bending over backwards. Okay, maybe let us bend over backwards a little bit more for you and allow you. We let you be cruel to animals and have halal food. Um, but you know, where's it gonna end? You have to grow a spine, you have to be able to attack Islam, criticize Islam exactly. The same. This is not a special privilege, exactly the same way. You attack and criticize Christianity. You've allowed that. Why can you not allow that to Islam? That has to happen on the mainstream.
0: In my opinion, it's not as simple as that. I think human beings are complex people. Uh, What what needs to be done is the West needs to be more assertive about its uh, uh, ideology, about its principles. you can be kind while being assertive about your own ideology, about your own principles. And I think what the West needs to do is being unapologetic about their ideology, their way of living, their culture. And once you are unapologetic and idea uh, and, and and unabashed about your way of living in your life, I think things will fall into place. I I already see that because I travel so much now. When I'm in the West, I I drive more than 10,000, 12,000 kilometers, right? I I meet people, I do talks, I go around. It's not just Indians, right? I meet other people too, other races too. And and there is a clear cut awakening inside the West, not just about the issue of Islamism. Uh, By the way, Justin Trudeau did the best service uh, by... The entire India-Canada fiasco, and now there is awareness about Khalistan in Canada. You know, a lot of my white friends did not know Khalistan. Only after Justin Trudeau messed up, that they they went and searched, and they're like, mm. "Oh, these people are crazy. Mm. <laughs> We're the, not on the, their yeah. team. We're not on their yeah. team." So people um, do uh, do realize. I, I I think I see that in India too. I see state capacity increasing, and India becoming better for law and order. Because people don't realize it's only when you have law and order is when you have economic growth. They're actually intertwined with each other. You cannot have economic growth without law and order. That's that's a prerequisite condition. I think uh, there is hope. I think we need to be more unabashed when we have discussions like this. I think good, good Muslims also need to speak up. I think ex-Muslims should also speak up like you do. And, you know, people from different faiths, Christian faiths or people from my background, you know, disbelieving Hindus or stuff like that, we should all speak up and uh, uh, and let the chips fall where they fall. I, I I think this is a battle that's going to be won by the liberal side, not by the Islamists, in my opinion. I'm actually very positive about it. At least in India, it's clearly the Islamists are losing. It's very clear in India, Islamists are losing. They, they, they are becoming weaker by the day and i don't see any reason why it will not happen in the west and the population of muslims in india is far more than in the west but it's still in india they're able to manage it because they do certain things right and that that's about it the west has to do those things right but hey we'll we'll close it over here and Harish, it was a, it was a pleasure talking to you as always Hi. and uh, Take care. So, guys, before we wrap it up, once again, in the description of the podcast, I have left the links to Harris's YouTube channels, both the Urdu one and the English one. So please go and uh, subscribe to his channel. You can also follow him on Twitter or X, whatever you guys want to call it. He also has a Patreon. So if you want to go and support Harris, you can go and support him on Patreon, too. Uh, I would uh, I would uh, recommend that, too. Also buy my book. Yeah, you can buy Harris's book too. The link is there on his Twitter description also. I think yeah. uh, on the Twitter description, you can go and buy his book too. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, I don't do any ad reads on this podcast, although I get offers. So if you can, please support the membership program of the charvak podcast, whether by joining it on YouTube or on Patreon or on Fanmo for Indians. Uh, and uh, if you can't do that, you can send your donations through UPI. You can also buy the Charvak podcast merchandise on Kushalmera.com or on Kadak Merch. And if you can't do any of this and you're just an audio listener, just leave a rating on Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, iTunes. Or if you are on, watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like this video. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, namaste. Take care. Bye.